You're listening to Talk to Tall. This is Talia. I have helped people in varying capacities, whether it was how to get divorced, how to come out of the closet, how to feel better in my own skin, start a new career, move across the country, move across the world, working on their addiction, how to be honest. It's very easy to lie to ourselves. I like to say the truth is erotic. Let me help you find yours. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Talk to Tall. It's supposed to be a monsoon here this weekend, and I'm looking out the window. It's drizzling. I guess I would say it's raining. I love days like this because it's an excuse to stay in, and you don't have to feel guilty about it. Maybe you just didn't want to get wet. Um, Today on the show, we have a good visitor who comes to visit us often, my friend Morris from Ireland. I'm looking forward to having him on. Uh, And last night, I went to go see a comedy show in Midtown, who's produced by a friend of mine, also a friend of the Talk to Tall uh, production. And um, I thought that he was fantastic, as well as... um, his uh, colleague, who's also funny. So I had a good time. You can't really mask my voice in a setting when I'm laughing um, because I'm usually the only person laughing in certain parts. And then at other times I laugh with everyone else. But um, I think they commented on my laughing. It was good to laugh. It feels good just to smile and use those muscles that you might not always use when you're being serious or going through your life. So it was really uh, good for me to do that. And um, I was happy to be invited. So thank you, Max. And it was good to see you and Chloe. Um, You have to have a lot of gumption and talent and thick skin to be a comedian. And we've addressed that a couple times on the show. But to me, that's one of the hardest jobs, uh, because you immediately know if you're good or not. And it probably takes a lot of falling down and skinning your knees to find the exact place that one needs to be. But welcome to a rainy weekend here, and we will catch up with Morris. Firstly, Talia, I'm just so happy to see you. We don't we don't normally Zoom, but it's lovely. It's lovely. I love the nails. You're looking cool. I mean, before you moved the camera, you couldn't see me, but you look so cool and then my visuals came on and you moved the camera but i have to say you look so you look so sharp and relaxed oh thank you thank you i mean i'm trying my way with my new vibe of the podcast and to see how it goes but it it is a little trying you know it's a new thing for me i'm a newbie it's yeah, I feel the same. I mean, the painting is similar in that I still have, it's very ACOA. It's very, because I still have the voices saying, and this whole process of doing the website, it's cleansing me. It's flushing out these voices. It's cleaning out the black, dark corners of my brain that tell me I'm not good enough, that I'm an amateur, that I'm, you know, old, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to show you. Can I show you the painting? I sent you a text yesterday. I sent you a text. Now, I showed to my neighbors, three of them, 
and unexpectedly, I just arrived at the door. We'd had lunch together today, and I talked about the painting, but I didn't tell them how big it is. So I'm going to show you now and get your reaction. Oh, please. Okay? It's literally on the other side of the room, so it won't be long. Oh, wow. Can you see how... Wow. Can you see the eye? Unbelievable. Yeah. Morris is showing me a picture. Describe this this little creature, this dog. It's a little sausage dog, but it's got, it's got like, it's got 3D eyes that I recycled from old, it's a doll, like a stuffed, you know, unicorn or something, you know, those cheap dolls, Canal Street doll. And um, so I cut the eyes out of it. So the eyes are actually 3D. And then this dog is taken from a photograph so that the head is larger and then the body kind of just dimensionally 3D. It looks, um, now the three people who saw it unexpectedly almost cried. The daughter almost cried. She said, oh my God. So So it's just so sweet though, because when I was painting that, I was thinking this is such a dumb idea, but I was just following my heart. I mean, I was describing it the other day. I feel like I'm feeding my inner child who's so happy. Good. And but yet the adult will kick in and say, What are you doing this for? What's the point? Yeah. I think it's amazing that our childhood perspective is so fearless and our adult um storyline that sometimes yeah. is historical is so phony and it's so taking us down. It's terrible. I mean, seriously, Talia, when I was younger, especially when I was using, I was so fearless. I think the older I'm becoming and the older I'm on, the longer I'm on the planet, fears can kick in more. I'm not so willing to jump in a car and head on the motorway. You know, I'm not so willing to to do these things that are risky. Right. And I'm thinking maybe that's a thing. I don't know what it is, but... um. But I'm just so jazzed on that painting because it's just so funny. I mean, I would never have done a 3D eyeball thing. That kind of came to me in a dream. And I just said, thank you. So I'm going to bring this to a woman on Monday. And she has no idea. And she works in a coffee shop. And they throw these wooden, you see, they throw these wooden boards away every day. So I've been collecting them. I go there on Mondays with two guys and they've been going there for years and when we were leaving one day i was saying what's going on with these wooden boards and she said oh we just throw them away they they arrive full of cakes and pastries and oh wow and i painted so i took i took it home and and i just thought and she said what are you going to do with that i said i'm going to paint something and so she has no idea oh you're going to give her a present that's beautiful yeah Aww. yeah yeah Oh, that's very nice of you. So can I just say, but this is my Saturday. It's been so funny because I came in and Neville had stopped off yesterday and left a big bag of cooking apples. It's autumn here. So, you know, cooking apples are big, quite bitter, and they need to be sugared and cooked. And so I made two kind of apple strudel things. Yum. And I went, yum, I seriously, Talia, yum. And I just made them and they were out of the oven. And I just popped down to this woman who her mother died quite recently. Excuse me, her mother died about five years ago, but her father died recently. And she's really mourning. And um, 
So it was those three to just like, first of all, I called to see if she was home. She wasn't home. So I just thought, I'm just going to call down with us. She's definitely, I saw her car was there. So I went down and it was her neighbor saw me and said, no, she's in here. So I ended up going in with this pie oh, and they sat me down. But wait till you hear this. They made me sit down and we had one, two, three, four, five of us had lasagna. And then we had the pie that I brought. So it was a completely funky, uh, the, they were laughing, saying, we have you now, you have to sit down and have lasagna. And then we're going to eat that pie that you brought. So it. we ended up, it was so sweet. I mean, really, and funny. And Helen was crying. And it was lovely. That's Helen, you know, my neighbor. And death is such a funky thing. You know, how do you deal with us? Yeah, it's and I, so, I will just. Really, it's so it's so complex, and it just flows in and out so much. I've been thinking about it a lot lately. Actually, I've thought about my stepmother. I thought about the last day mm -hmm. of her life. I've been thinking about the people that have passed away that were in my life, and I thought, wow. Like somebody asked me, "Where did you get that lamp?" And I thought, the lady that I moved in with when I got sober, she gave me the lamp, and she died just of a stroke. She. She went to sleep and she never woke up and she was 73. How do you how do you deal with death? I know it it changes depending on who the person is and their involvement in your life. Well, I mean, there's so much you've just said. I, I really am aware not to cross uh, talk at the same time. I mean, you're in New York and I'm in Ireland and this line, the delay. But it was sunny. I don't know where I heard this, but I said it just recently at this lunch there about an hour ago. And I think we all just got so moved by this phrase that I heard maybe two or three years ago. And it's very simple. We all have two lives. The second one begins when you realize you only have one. Wow. Because cause I think we go around in a permanent state of denial. I mean, we have to, because otherwise we'll just go, oh my God, we're gonna we're gonna die. You know, and it's just you know that movie Airplane, where they're just like, everyone's running around panicking, we're going to crash and scream. That could be the world if we all realize that at the same time. But we kind of just get flashes of it. Yeah. And then we go back to denial. So the lamp, Helen's mother, a father, um, you know, whatever age we are, there's moments. But when you see a 20-year-old or an 18-year-old, who has not yet realized there's an innocence there that really touches my heart Yeah, that they really don't know, but that hasn't really registered that someday they're not going to be here. And I think that that affects our lives. Oh, but, yeah. um, so, um, so painting a painting like that is kind of like, do you know what? Feck us, just do it. And yeah. don't, don't analyze it too much, you know, just enjoy yeah, it's that way with so many things in life. I mean, you and I talk about this all the time, the the worry or the concerns we have, or should I say this or should I say that? And it's just, just be and whatever comes is okay. That I'm learning that really a lot with this new therapist I have. She said, you just Good. say it a matter of factly, you don't, you just say, you don't, you don't, she doesn't say this per se, but you don't really have to execute yeah. the way you think it's going to go. You just say what you need to say and don't worry about what comes next, you know? 
Well, it's not a rehearsal. And I find if you rehearse things, I mean, that was, that, excuse me, that was what was so lovely. The five of us would be neighbors. I mean, one married couple, Helen and her brother, and the both of them are there. So he lives in Dublin. So he was visiting because she's been so down recently mm. since her father, their father passed. And so it was such a lovely moment to just come in. They were already just about to sit down and have this big Italian style lasagna dinner, lunch. And um, so anyway, I brought the dessert. And so we couldn't we couldn't not talk about death at some point, but it definitely affects what you just said is there's no rehearsal. And when you're sitting with people that you don't have to filter what you're going to say. Yes. That I don't know if that's so often that we get that where you feel maybe with a friend. See, even the idea of having a friend that you don't have to have your guard up is becoming more and more rare, I think. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know what I love about Europeans is that they get together, they have tea, they have cakes, mm. they eat. Mm. It's such a mm. European thing. It's not an American thing. For me to tell you I went I down the my... road. Yeah, I love your teacup. I love the teacup. It's so it's like bone china, like my granny used to, my grandmother used to have, my granny. And I saw them the other day. I just had to get them. Sorry, oh, but you were saying recently. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I told you I went down the street and had lasagna and baked a cake for, you know, the oratory that's next to me, you know, I live next to a gay oratory, right? It's a bunch of gay men in a seminary. Boy, are they pleased that I'm on the ground floor. <laughs> honey, honey. <laughs> Anyways, we just have this, I've, I've been here, I think for five years now. And, um, uh, but it would be strange if I told you I went down the road, I had lasagna. It's just so European, and that's what I love about Europeans. Americans don't do that. They might get to. Well, can I just say, but after, but after 30 years of living in Italy, and I'm only back here one year, yeah. it's so funny that that never happened to me in Italy. You know, we have this fantasy of Italy. I think Italians with each other yeah. or with family, very tight. With the foreigner... Mm -mm. Yeah. not happening you know there's this word in italian which is straniero mm -hmm. which means foreigner tourist unknown you know and so 30 years i mean 22 of those years i was in one building and all my neighbors i was only friendly really friendly one was on the same floor the gay neighbor and so we'd hang out now everybody else was just very polite but i would never just bump into someone and then invite me in to have coffee or lasagna. That's, Love the idea. That's strange because but, every single time I go to Italy, someone I don't know invites me to dinner or to a show. Every time. And you know I go there quite often. I'm going there in about a month. Well, and a half. honey, we don't all look we don't all look like you. You know <laughs> what I mean? Thank you. Um <laughs> but I do love that. I love that you had lasagna. Who baked the lasagna? Was it good? Her name is Joy, and she actually baked two. That was now we're getting into it. One was a regular lasagna, and the other one was made with without carbohydrates. So it was layers and layers of zucchini, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, but with a meat sauce and a bechamel and the whole thing. And then I said, "Why is somebody on a diet?" And she said, "No, it just means that I can eat double." 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? Nice. So we were all having uh, two types of pasta, two types of lasagna, loads of salad, loads of olives, cheeses, and then my apple strudel thing. And it was so funny. Talia, to be honest, I'm kind of I'm buzzing on that because it, I've been here five years on and off. And then I've only been here full time for the last year. And that was just so sweet because we really, do you know what they did uh, about a month ago? They've got an, um, a fig tree in their garden mm -hmm. and they put some figs in a bag and hung them on my door knob. That's sweet. I, I almost cried because I just thought it's just so sweet. It is. It is genuine. Yeah. Uh, and my neighbors, when I moved in first five years ago, they do Christmas cards. They just post them in through the letterbox. And I just got overwhelmed. I was thinking we don't do, I just don't do, you know, neighborly things like that because I'm just not used to it. But now I'm used to it somewhat. I just think it's a really Irish thing, you know, because after living away and then being back, I realized that's just the way people are here. Yeah, They're genuinely friendly, you know, and it's lovely. That's nice. Um, so I want to... I wanted to ask you a question, um, unless you have, did I, did I interrupt you sometimes? No, I was just going to say back in, in your hometown, were people as neighborly when you were growing up? Um, God, it's been so long, 40 years since I've been in my hometown. So let's see. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember once we had a neighbor that lived uh, beyond the gate. Uh, yeah. And it was a family of four. And I remember the father and the mother got divorced, which was unheard of. I think it was like 1983. Right. And yeah. we had the mother and the new boyfriend and someone else over for some kind of food. And I remember my father was making cocktail sauce with horseradish and ketchup. And I was thinking, that's how it's made. Um, the weird, yeah. the weird thing is because I had all these uh, young boy neighbors, and I was the tomboy girl of the neighborhood, but none of them wanted to play with me. So I decided the best way to play with this particular kid, his name was David, um, was to build a fort and charge these guys. How would I get them interested in coming to my fort? So back then, I found some 1970s penthouse mags when when penthouse was like very Amazonian, like big bush, big boobs, the whole big hair. And I... I Oiled. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Oiled. Oiled. I, wall yeah. I wallpapered the whole inside of it with that. And I said, if you want to come into my fort, you have to pay. So I think I charged two or three dollars and I didn't tell them that if you pay once, you're going to have to pay again. You can come for an admission once. And that was before, you know, any puberty or anything that had happened. But they were sort of mesmerized by my penthouse fort. Uh, but that was my first entre entrepreneurial business. <laughs> that sounds like 42nd Street before you even knew what 42nd Street was. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, honey, that's so... That's so on the nail. Yeah. That's fabulous. Yeah, I was, and they I was came. little too, so I had no idea what, you know. Oh, yeah, they came. And then they let me play G.I. Joe with them after that, you know. They they would say, can I and come it, to your fort? And I said, well, do you have the $2? And did, it kind of, and did it progress into like, you know, 
doctors and nurses and you show me yours <laughs> and I'll show you mine. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I always play doctor with people. Yeah. On the house, honey, on the house. I used to get in trouble it's for okay. that. You don't, <laughs> By you my don't need to play. You don't need to play. Yeah. You don't need to pay anymore. The yeah. rest is on the house. Yeah. But um, that sounds very um, ticking a lot of boxes there. Yeah. Getting the cash and slap and tickle. Lovely. Well, I wasn't getting a slap and tickle, but the, the whole point was, you know, trying to find something in common with someone so you can have that kind of bonding. I mean, this yeah. is like the 1980s version of your lasagna party today. <laughs> yeah, but what you're saying is kind of interesting because I really think we kind of rekindle or trying to get that again in our lives. Yeah. That, you know, that I'm just not used to that if familiar. It's lovely to have us. But it, it doesn't happen that often. So I'm still kind of high on that. It was so, for them, it's, it was normal. Yeah. I mean, she was saying, we don't do this every Saturday. It's just that um, David is down from Dublin and we're doing this. But, you know, they were stacking the dishwasher as we were having the coffee. It was, it, there was nothing formal. And I loved the way it was so relaxed and easy. That and I, I love. love that. Yeah, that I love. Yeah. I would love yeah. to do that. Let's see how I can figure out how to bring that into my life. Yeah. So it's I just think it's city living, city living, really, it becomes less and less and less. Sorry to say, but I know that. It's so true. Anyway, we'll, move, we'll segue into the question. Yeah. Please. Um, Dear caller. Yes. So a lot of people always reflect on relationships. And I don't know if you wanted to discuss some things you and I briefly touched on this week, which was, you know, I think someone in your life got married, someone close to you, and they sent you photographs of their beautiful event. And yeah. um, I, I find myself often with you and with other friends just discussing things in my life of the relationships past. And so a caller yeah. had asked me, why do we choose to visit our relationships past and how can we use that in our present to go forward in new relationships? So I wanted to ask you that, but specifically wow. to you, um, yeah. this feeling that came over you when you saw uh, wedding pictures with somebody from somebody that you spent a great deal of time with in your own life and how that felt and what, what you think about it. Oh, well, Talia, now that we're actually talking, because I think we just texted about it during the week, I'd just like to say, let the callers know, the listeners know, that that was actually an ex of mine, you know, Jan Franco, and we were together for two years. And, um, but it was so sweet. I didn't, I didn't let, I didn't say this, I'm saying it now with you, was that he, he sent me two photographs that were just, you know, someone in the congregation or a friend of his had taken when they were on the, you know, exchanging rings. Not exchanging rings, but, you know, when they do that part with the rings. And it was kind of a wobbly, homemade, you know, somebody with their, on their iPhone. And he sent me that as a photograph first and said, we got married, you know. And I think he was just testing the waters. So I, I left it for, I mean, I was genuinely amazed that because they've been together for seven years and they're a beautiful couple they really are so lovely but i left it for a day and to respond in a very 
sweet and respectful way. I didn't want to just jump on and they, so anyway, wrote back and said, congratulations and yourself and Walter. I'm so wish you both very many happy years together and um, kissy kiss, you know, because he is my ex, but I just thought it was a beautiful thing that he was sharing this with me. Mm. And then, so he reckoned that was, that was a really nice gesture. And then, so when he saw that, he sent me a link and then I went onto the link and it was 130 photographs of their day, of their day, of their day. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. And I mean, seriously, I was, I was scrolling and I'm getting emotional and I'm really genuinely, and I mean, genu and I'm saying this now, it was the part when I saw his, because I'd met his parents. I mean, we were together for two years and I met his parents and they're from the south of Italy. They're very religious and they're not into gays right. at all. Right. So anyway, I, I mean, it was in 10 years later. I mean, a number of years later, he's obviously with Walter. They understand. But here they are in this really formal setting, red carpet, gold. I mean, there were chandeliers. It's in one of the main buildings in Florence, you know, where weddings happen, civil ceremonies, whatever. Um and it was just seeing his mother and his father. And that's when I really got emotional because it's such a huge declaration, whether you're man, woman, two women, two men, whatever it is, um, to have your family there, his family. And so they obviously went through this whole formula, right. you know, do you know, so in, at one point, just, I don't know if I sent you that photograph, there's like 37 people yeah. outside the building all together in the main square of Florence and they're both kissing and I just I didn't actually cry but I was I had a lump in my throat because I was so happy it's like they're both declaring their love yeah. in public with everyone they know and I just think that's so moving it's beautiful especially they did it right near that entrance that you and I used to walk all the time um with the Medici uh statues yes Exactly. With the Medici statues, but that building that is the main building with the big wooden doors. On either side, there's an Adam and an Eve, yeah. and I think they're like 15th century. They've been there. I mean, they were obviously moved from somewhere else, but they've been there. And then that gigantic statue of the two male nudes. Yeah. I mean, it is an amazing spot to do this. And um, so they did all the official work inside. Then they come down the staircase and then they took the photographs outside. It was so amazing. And so when we closed, and then the last, then they all walked over the Ponte Vecchio to this hotel up onto the most incredible kind of, um, it's actually this day last week. It was only a week ago, uh, this huge terrace. And I can see all the canopies were out because it was so hot. Yes. You know, it was still sunny. And uh, beautiful views of the Duomo and then the River Arno. And, um, but then I saw the cake, and the cake had two men I saw and it. two little dogs. Yeah. They've got dogs. Aww. They've got dogs. Jack and I can't remember the other name. I only met Jack because they've since extended the family. And they got pups as well. So Aww. it's Jack. I met Jack. But then they had the other dog and pups. So it's they're a real family. And I gushed at the cake when I saw the cake. And so just going back to the question... How do you handle these things? I just think there's no script. You just weep or you cry. I did get a lump in my throat thinking, that could be me. Yeah. That should be me. But um, but it was very short-lived because I knew that we loved each other. 
but we both knew that we were not life partners. That's a, that's wah, a beautiful, wah. yeah, that's a beautiful place yeah. to, to be. I mean, I don't know if I would have that same kind of reaction. I guess it would depend on many variables, like how much time had passed, yeah. if I had a good, uh, you know, amical breakup, um, if I was okay mm. with the fact of who they were dating, whatever. But mo most yeah. of all, it's one of those things that it, like you said, why, why that could have been me. That could have been me. Yeah. <laughs> why am I, I in this spot? And yeah. this person's getting married. I mean, I've, te I've tended to think that way about several previous exes that I know, uh, that have, I was the last relationship they had before they got married. And I thought, what does that yeah. even mean? What does that mean to me? I said, I prepare everyone for marriage or destroy everyone on the dating circuit. And then they just no. are forced to go into marriage after me. So I, I like how you're looking at it as far as understanding the love. And you and I talked about this last week with that video mm. from that you sent me about love and how we have this notion that marriage and love have to be a certain way, but maybe love is just to carry us till the next piece. And we don't know what that looks like, but we still carry a part of it in us. And when you just said that about Gianfranco, yeah, you did love mm. each other, but you realized he wasn't yeah. the life partner. Yeah. He was very upset. And I, I know it's not, I mean, how you, he will never listen to hear this. I mean, it's, it's a genuine thing is that I realized and I had to be genuine with him and he did not want to split. And I just thought after two years of getting to know each other, we're not the right. I mean, I think it was all from my shit. Like mm. I was still not really fully able to deal with love or the idea of being. But on a side note, I'd like to jump in because I saw this incredible, very concise piece about Rupert Murdoch, that man. And I know it's it's a weird tangent, but that man ran or owned 170 newspapers all over the world mm -hmm. and completely promoted and pushed the Iraq, you know, and the AIDS crisis. It was blame and pointing and propaganda. And it's actually an incredible mind. I only saw that today and I won't even try and quote the power of that one person or an organization who can promote a certain thing. And I think we're all under the illusion, and I believe this, that one person is going to be your match for life. Mm -hmm. I think that is so dangerous. Mm -hmm. So I'm not anti-marriage. I'm just anti the white knight in shining armor who will be the perfect puzzle that's missing from my life. And did that make sense about Rupert Murdoch? Because I think we're all being fed this idea for so long. I mean, it did. I understand what you're saying with regard to it. I think, you know, I think as we get older, we realize that you you must have other components to your life. You must have a best friend. You must have your own accountant. You must have your own therapist. You must have your own, you know, gym yeah. or whatever, yeah. because your partner yeah. is contributing to a certain part of your emotional, spiritual, and physical development. But really, you yeah. have to work on all that within yourself first before you can even expand out to a partner. And when I was in my 20s and 30s, and probably even early 40s. I didn't 
really understand what I was bringing to the relationship or what I was receiving from the other partner. And so now yeah. I feel like I'm just getting a balance of, of who I need in my sort of um, heart kingdom, like I would call that my support network. And I realized that not everything can come from the same person, which was also in that video you and I watched last week about, you know, we shouldn't expect our partner to be our boss, our, you know, everything, every single element of our lives. Well, to come and fix me and be the perfect piece from then on, it's love hearts and unicorns and rose. I mean, it's just not really, it's a very teenager-y kind of idea. Right. But I love this one. Again, I only heard this, Talia, during the week. Maybe it is the whole marriage thing. It's so funny that this has come up because I don't know where I saw this or who I was talking to that just said, if you're married for 50 years to one person, they're actually essentially my, you're marrying five people mm -hmm. and they're marrying five people because every 10, eight to 10 years, there's a cycle that you change physically, psychologically, you know, your, your aims, your, your ambitions morph and change. You're changing all the time. So you did not get married to that person 50 years ago. You, you communicated the changes to each other and that's the healthy part. Yeah. If you can keep up with each other's changes and growth. But um, I think that's a really solid basis for a relationship and for a marriage. And But at this point in my life, that's just not, I mean, I'm just, you know, I love the idea, but it's there's not on the horizon someone that I've even could call a friend that could grow into that. So that's okay. I, I'm very much kind of accepting it. Yeah, but you never know. Oh, yeah. That's that's one of the powerful things about life. We don't know what's going to happen, and I think often we get surprised. And maybe it, maybe it won't necessarily be you know two grooms on a wedding cake with two dogs and two puppies. Maybe it looks different in your story. But if I really truly believe mm -hmm. this, if we want it, I think we can manifest it and I think things will happen. But we really have to truly be in a space where we think I'm open and I'm willing to understand whoever presents you know, itself, if it's the right situation, that it could be something that's a good bedrock for a relationship, you know? But it I takes love the, that idea. Yeah, it takes, yeah. Can I just it takes throw it, it takes. Yeah, I, I don't know if I mentioned to you about five months ago now, a friend of mine in London said more or less exactly what you just said, but said, take a note and write it down and start on the Monday. And I did. And I sent out a prayer. I wrote out the prayer first, saying exactly what you just said. And I prayed for a partner to come. And I know it's not going to be snap delivery, THL, Federal Express by tomorrow. But, you know, for 15 days and hand it over and put it out there to the universe. Yeah. Well, what date was on so that I, paper? I, I won't even go into the dates, but I'm just going to take fucking talk. Where oh. is he? Yeah, exactly. Well, oh. talk, talk to the big yeah. man upstairs and make sure you take <laughs> your action. It's not like breakfast at Tiffany's. George Papard's going to come to your door while you're sleeping with your little beautiful uh, tassel hanging earplugs in like Audrey. I love that. 
She yeah. was so elegant. But George Papard came right to her. I mean, where's George Papard, Morris? I still keep that Chanel number no. five in my mailbox, just hoping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to give you a laugh. When we were flashing and talking about exes and all this, so even now, that, that was hilarious. When I had an ex, we were together for 14 years, and he ended up, we split. It's, it's a long story, but I love the fast forward. They were getting married. He got a new partner. Then they got married. So like four years after we split, and they were having this mega fashion gay in the fucking Tuscan Hills, and I didn't want to be there. But he really wanted me to be there, you know. Amazing, amazing. That would I don't know weird. that that would happen in straight relationships. I really don't know. I don't even, I don't think it should have. I really didn't want to be there. And so I was trying to even, I mean, of the first night when they all met in this fucking seriously five-star hotel on the Arno with the terrorists and they were taking Instagrams of each other in their fucking... Oh Comme de Garcon. I mean, it was so fashion. The whole thing was like three, it was, no, three, 150 people oh my God. for three days. Oh, yeah. And so the second day, I just love this part. This is the story. It was lunch in the Tuscan Hills. And all the boys who were bringing the canapes around were wearing Prada. But they had to have, <laughs> no, no, they had to, no, they were in Prada, um, what do you call those tennis tops? You know, tennis shirts? Yeah. But there was 12 of them and they had to, for a week beforehand, go and they had fittings to get this. They first, and they, they had them fitted to show their arms. They had them modified to show their arms. And then they had ray, aviator Ray-Bans to match the, they were like porn stars going around bringing canapes and everything. And everybody was drooling over them. Oh my God. And at one point, I was sitting in a chair in my outfit, you know, under a tree. And uh, I had three friends there. And we were saying, now is the time that I was supposed to go into behind a, a bush and change into black lace. Right. And come out with fingerless gloves and sing. I don't know who this singer was. It should have been me. It should have been me. <laughs> <laughs> and completely smashed this fashion charade that was so fucking crazy. And, um, but I actually didn't do it. We were only laughing, but I would touch base with my three friends because they knew what was going on. And it was just, it was a funny thing. And then as soon as they were, when the time was right, I discreetly left. I just, I couldn't deal with it. Yeah. But I did it. I did it because of respect. I mean, I, I, I'm happy for them. I really am happy for them. But it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't easy. Let's say. I don't think I could That's do so, it. I don't. I don't even like no, to know you. if someone I'm lightly dating yeah. is interested in someone else. I mean, I could never go to someone's wedding. There's no way, unless I was remarried to someone fabulous and he was my date. I just, I couldn't do it. You know, that's a big. That's a big oh, yeah. thing. Well, this is like a therapy. I've never really talked about that because it was just such a weird thing. And even now I'm hearing myself saying, are you really bitter to even recount that story? I actually genuinely am happy for them. Yeah. But they've moved on in my life so far away that we're we're gone. And I, I can tell when they come to my mind that my pulse 
it doesn't change my the flush in my cheek is the same i'm i'm fine with it but it's just another reminder that as time passes we move on and we can actually deal with these things and uh and move on hopefully move on that's one thing uh, i'm glad that you mentioned i uh when you're in it, when you're going through a breakup or when you realize someone has moved on or someone's getting married and you're, you may be in the same place or you may be single, it feels like you're going to be in that place forever. And when I've had breakups before, it's just so much Mm -hmm. emotional turmoil and you feel this sense of abandonment and then you feel this sense of failure that there was something wrong, that you did something wrong. You, you know, you tried, but it didn't work. And then one day it just dissipates and it goes away and you barely ever think of the person again. I mean, that happened, that that's happened to me with the last relationship from that. I, my last breakup. And I just thought it's so gone. It actually takes an effort to think about it. And I think because in a lot of ways I've moved on in my life and that was just a moment. It was such a small, insignificant flash and it, and it caused like a little, emotional bubble. I've had some that caused scars. That one wasn't one that's caused very much, but it's amazing. We think we're never going to get out of this feeling. We're never going to get out of it. And then one day it just is gone and we are okay with what happens. I really like what you just said, but I'm just thinking, trying to go back to the caller or that question. Mm -hmm. I just think now, I don't know if this is a roundabout way of saying after 14 years, that was quite a chunk. And just realizing we bought a house together. It was all really, really, it was divorce. We weren't actually physically married, but it was really like same bank account. And it was so messy. It took about a year, about a year and a half, actually, to just try and gently, gently separate it out. And then once we were separated out, it took another six years to say goodbye because it was just, we couldn't and we were and we weren't. And um, but what I want to say is that I think then I left it for a few years and then got involved with Gianfranco. So those two years with him, I think I was afraid to commit because I thought if you go in deep for four or five years and then you realize, wow, I've really spent this time to get to know you and I don't want to be with you. It's like a it's like a really double-edged sword because... yeah. How do you know unless you've invested and how do you pull back if you think it's been too deep to pull back? It's it's a very strange thing that you can't really come up with some formula or rule. You just have to follow follow your gut. Um, But I knew after two years, I mean, there were a couple of warning signs. He was so possessive and I thought this is not cool. It's not cool. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, but that was the way it went. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right. Also, there's something that comes with when you have this knowledge and then you try to go into something where you think I'm just going to completely expose my underbelly. I have nothing to lose. I'm going to put all my cards on the table and I'm just going to do a full frontal right in front. <laughs> You know, and that and that gives you courage. And also at the same time, we all have to be conscious of this moment that we have because we don't know how long we have here circling back to death. We have to be our honest, genuine, rigorous selves 
Otherwise, yes. what's the point? I mean, maybe we'll say, hey, what's the point? I fancy a shag, but I see this going nowhere. Or, hey, I really like you and I want to investigate you further or whatever you want to say. But I think that's part of getting from the past and moving into the present in any relationship, even in a friendship, you know? Even in a friendship, I'm actually looking on my phone because it was a quote that I just, it just really moved me. Um, maybe I should just paraphrase it. And it's so simple. It's just one line. Oh, here it is. It says, okay, and I'm going to paint this up because it's so cool. I don't know who said it, but it just said bucket list. Okay. Mm -hmm. Have someone make love to me. Nice. Have someone make love to me, not sex. I mean, that is the elusive white knight in if it's not even shining armor but someone as you've just described who has let their guard down showed their belly showed their vulnerability and then you both see what happens i think that is so wonderful it's not easy to find that person yeah yeah in the meantime we have to see what get excited by what what's out there you know absolutely but we circle back to because we've just gone around and so many different tangents i'm thinking what was the original question in a way the original how do question, we deal with yeah was uh, yeah when, when we revisit our relationships past how can we bring that into the present oh i think every one of them has been a lesson um, I love that one as well. I heard that years ago. They're not called X's for nothing. <laughs> like you just like you just X, you X them out and you never, ever see them again. But I don't know. There's, I'm still in touch with a couple. Um, but there are a couple that I will never. Right. I hope I never have any dealings with them again. But it's so funny that, you know, they can they can lay dormant. But if I find a photograph or a trigger or a memory, it comes back and I'm able to sit with them. But I, it just reaffirms for me that I never want to see them again. Yeah, you know? I think I think there's something to be said also for every experience we have in a relationship with mm -hmm. someone. We carry what didn't work and we carry what did work and what feedback we got from the partner at the time into mm. exactly the present moment so you know so yeah there's there's various things that happen between two people but we remember the way we moved through certain experiences with people and we oh, we continue to want to try to do a better job the next time and the next time so in that regard i think that every relationship is bringing us closer to fate and maybe every single relationship was a piece of our fate but the but the one that's closest to the heart, perhaps, you know, mm. um, comes when we're we're totally in sync with the relationship we have with ourselves, and we can only learn that by interacting with other people. What do you think? I like I mean like everything you've just said, but I mean I'm just thinking that today, to suddenly be at a table with four people for about an hour and a half because David had to leave, go back to Dublin. And then it was really sweet joy. He's going to a 50th birthday party. So it, it was quite juicy. And then we all went separate ways. But even in that short time, I think I really got a good read on people. I, it just reminded me out of the blue 
to sit with the way we talk about the food, the way we talk about what we don't like, what we like. It's almost explaining or describing so much right. about the person who's, who's a, so whether it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a friend or a neighbor, I'm, I think the older I'm getting, the more I'm able to read. This is someone I'd like to spend time with, or this is someone I would like to see occasionally, or this is someone I have no desire to see again, or this is someone I'd like to rip their clothes off and go to bed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I'm but glad you so ended on that one. <laughs> well, you know, it's nice to think, no, but it's so funny. Talia, I've met a couple of people in my same age, same generation, and they have given up. And it's so sad. You know, they really have given up. I mean, you're, you know, we were talking about the other day, just personal maintenance on, on physical, you know, yoga, swimming, going to the hairdresser, you know, all these things to keep you in that groove. For yourself, number one, for yourself, mm -hmm. and then for hopefully attracting the right person. But it's not that that's my aim. But when you meet someone and you see that they've just given up, it's quite sad. It's very sad. I mean, I I can't I can't understand. Is it because they're it's out of fear, or they just think the time has passed and they don't want to be with anyone? But I don't understand not wanting to better yourself every day that you're on this planet, if you can. And why would you not want to make yourself attractive for, like you said, for yourself? I mean, if I'm yeah. not turned on, how how is anyone else going to get turned on? You know. It's true. Yeah. It's true, but it's a funny balance. Being, I mean. You know, that you know, on a daily basis. I mean, today is Saturday. I mean, I was just in my sloppies. Me too. I mean, really, and just like clothes that you just throw on, you don't care. Yeah, sweatshirt. And to call down and then suddenly be at a table. It was such a liberation. I just felt so free. And no phone, no phone. And just, I mean, it was just so nice to just feel, again, maybe that's something to do with your inner ability to just be at peace with yourself. And that you really don't care. I mean, yeah in a good way yeah. that it's not so important that it has to be controlled environment and everything arranged. I love this spontaneous reminder that so many things really don't matter. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, but that being said, your sloppies still look really good. So you still are very active and taking care of yourself and fit and doing all those things. So when you say you. sloppies, it, it's not like it, it looks stylish. You're wearing a sweatshirt, big deal. But you're still caring about the your own presence and your own personal like, space and your own little sanctuary. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Talk Too Tall. If you are feeling like you need help to find your truth, please shoot us an email with your question to talktotalia at gmail.com. It's T-A-L-K, the number two, T-A-L-L-I-A at gmail.com. You'll never know your truth unless you ask for it. <laughs>